Welcome to A Slob Comes Clean, the podcast. I'm Dana White. I blog mostly daily over at aslobcomesclean.com, where I share my personal deslobification process. I call myself Noni over there and in other places too, because Noni is short for anonymous. When I first started my blog over four years ago, I was petrified of anyone knowing that I had this blog, that it was me anything because I was just desperate to get my house under control. So I've talked about that in previous podcasts. If you want to hear the whole story, you can start start at podcast number one. Uh, But today we're going to talk about decluttering your kitchen because one of the biggest things that has made a big difference for me in these four years of trying to get my house under control is decluttering and getting rid of stuff. I had entirely too much stuff in my house. And because I had so much stuff, I couldn't possibly keep it under control. And uh, it was just constantly a disaster. And I have what I've accepted is a natural tendency toward a messy house. Um, There is no magic cure, unfortunately, as I had hoped that I would eventually find. Uh, Instead, Uh, It's a matter of me keeping things under control and realizing how much stuff I can personally handle uh, without it just, you know, constantly being a disaster. So the less stuff I have, the better I'm able to do in my house. Uh, So decluttering is key. And while I don't claim to be the world's biggest expert on cleaning and organizing, I kind of claim to be an expert on decluttering because I have had to do it a lot myself, and I've had to come up with ways to get through huge amounts of clutter in shorts, short amounts of time, um, and I, I'm not putting down any kind of organizing advice, but generally most organizing advice is written by organized people, and I can gain something from it, but I often question if um, the people who you know wrote this advice really truly understand what my starting point was. Um, because, you know, an organized person wouldn't let it get the way that it seems to get for me. When my life gets crazy, my house gets crazy, and it's like an explosion happened, and I have to deal with it. Um, I know, maybe you're thinking, oh, wow, I was thinking I was going to find out how to, you know, never have a cluttered house again. I am learning that. I mean, the more I declutter, the less it gets recluttered, but it constantly does because that's just part of who I am, Um, but that doesn't mean that I give up. I keep on going, and I think that's the biggest difference is before I would declutter something, I would be so excited about it, and then it would go back to being completely cluttered. I didn't know what happened in between. I do know what happens now, and that's, um, you know, daily habits are necessary to keep it from going back into chaos immediately, Uh, but I I didn't know what happened, and so I would get frustrated thinking, okay, well, then I can't do this. That's it. I can't do it. It, There's no point in me even trying because I'm never going to be able to do it perfectly. And instead, now I say, you know what? It's not going to stay decluttered forever, but it's worth it for me to go back and re-declutter it because the second time I declutter it is so much easier than the first, and it stays under control for longer. And every single time I do it, it, it gets a little bit better. So... It's worth it to keep on going, and the goal is a livable home. Unfortunately, as much as I would like to have a magazine-worthy home, um, I don't, and it's not going to happen. So uh, anyway, okay, so this week on the blog, like I said, we're going to talk about how to declutter a kitchen, uh, but this week on the blog, I'm going to go over that first, just some of the things that I talked about. 
a post that I just put up on Thursday uh, is called the MVP concept. And this has been something that's really been going through my head a lot. I Now that I am podcasting, I like listening to podcasts. I'll admit that I don't know that I'd ever listened to one before I started my own, which might be very obvious. Anyway, um, so I have been listening to podcasts and I really enjoy it. I like to download one to my phone and then listen to it in my car while I'm driving up to help my mother-in-law once a week and it's an hour drive. So I really enjoy it. Well, I listen to some, um, you know, some online entrepreneurs uh, podcasts and one of them is by Pat Flynn. He writes at smartpassiveincome.com and I really enjoy his podcast because he interviews interesting people and he tells these neat stories and you you can learn about how people are doing business online. Well, a concept that he and his guest just kind of casually mentioned, and he did stop to explain it, um, at least what it stood for, was they, they mentioned an MVP. Well, an MVP, to me, means most valuable player, you know, basketball, football, whatever. But that's not what they were talking about. They were talking about it in the context of entrepreneurship, right? That's the word. So in entrepreneurial terms, MVP stands for minimum viable product. And this concept just kind of rattled through my brain, and I've been thinking about it a lot. And it's basically, you know, talking about it in entrepreneurial terms, it means, you know, the person who has a big idea and wants to, you know, put it out there into the market, um, they need to launch at the MVP stage, which means it's the minimum viable product, the minimum, like it does everything it's supposed to do. Yes. Okay. I mean, it, it, it stands alone as it is the very least, you know, that it can be viable, meaning it works. It does what it's supposed to do. It's viable product obviously means a thing anyway, but the putting out the product when it works but it doesn't necessarily have all the bells and whistles that you could ever dream and imagine. Because, you know, when you have an idea, at least if you have an entrepreneurial mind like I do, I mean, I think, oh, and then I could do this and I could add that and then I could, oh, wouldn't it be neat if it could do such and such? Well, the person who is an entrepreneur instead of just a dreamer is the person who goes ahead and puts out into the marketplace the minimum viable product. And as soon as it works, they put it out there. And then they learn what people need from this product from the people who are using it. And they use the funds that they've made from selling a product that does what it's supposed to do to then improve upon the product. And the person, you know, that sets them apart from the person who just has a lot of really fantastic ideas and is always thinking of great things, but then never actually acts upon it. And so I thought of this a lot last week when I was cleaning out the floor in my master bedroom closet, which was a really frustrating project because you know it was one of those times when I thought, why am I doing this again? I can't believe I let it get like this. And I look around and I think I would really love it if all of the blankets or sheets or whatever it is that's up on my... Um, shelves at the top of the closet, if they were all completely folded beautifully and color coordinated, and, uh, you know, if I had just the perfect storage system for my boots, you know, I know I've seen things on Pinterest of, you know, ways that you can keep them from flopping over, all that stuff. I mean, I, I would love it if I could do that, but 
if I start thinking along those lines of all the things I could do in my closet, then it can paralyze me and I end up getting nothing done. So I had to tell myself, I have about an hour and a half today. That's it. And I am going to complete and put out the minimum viable product, the MVP of this project, meaning I'm going to clear the floor so that I can use this closet. It's not everything it could ever be, but I've got to do something and make this decluttered and livable. And it's basically the same concept I've talked about before, both on the blog and in podcasts of, you know, just decluttering, separating, organizing from decluttering so that you are able to just get something done. And then the space amazingly is pretty much organized once you've just decluttered it, but taking away the problem solving of organizing and just do the decision making of decluttering. And that's that same basic concept, but it's a different way to think of it in that whole minimum viable product. It's okay to launch with a minimum viable product and not have it be the absolute most perfect version that, that it could ever be. So that's that's been a concept that, as I said, has been rattling around in my brain for a little while. Um, other things this week, um, I showed a before picture of my bathtub, which <sighs> was really, really dirty. And um, when I wrote about my um, closet last week, you know, I explained that the deal with the closet, even though no guests are not going to see my master bedroom closet, it was having a lot of negative residual effects in my home. So when I couldn't hang things up, then they ended up in the drawers and the drawers were overflowing, which messed up the master bedroom even more than it already was. But, uh, and you know, they were hanging on doorknobs in other places in the house because I couldn't get into my closet to hang it up. So, you know, it's those residual effects. So one of the residual effects was there was a chair piled in clothes that should have been in my closet but couldn't because I couldn't get in there uh, blocking my bathtub and I don't take it for granted that I have a separate tub and shower I mean that was a big deal when we got this house I really was thrilled and so excited with that now it's an 80s tub doesn't have jets and it's pretty shallow compared to what you would think but it I love it. It's my bathtub and I had not used it in like six months. Now I had taken showers. Thank you very much. But I had not used the bathtub to take a bath because it was dirty and getting back there, the thought of having to move that chair that was stacked high in clothes and then those clothes falling off onto the floor and becoming dirty clothes again, you know, it just was this, it was too much hassle to do it. So after those clothes were no longer there and the bathroom was cleared out and so much more usable. Well, then I could get to the bathtub more easily so I could clean it more easily and took one. And it's just another example of how many things suffer when you find that area that's kind of a clog in your house where you thought it was a place to stuff things. But if it's becoming a clog for me, then I have to clear that clog so that everything else in the house can flow better. So um, so those are some of the things on the blog this week. It's been really, um, it's been kind of an interesting week too. I, my, our dog passed away, our 13 year old dog who we've had since right before my oldest child was born. Um, and that was a very difficult day. Um, so I wrote a post on the blog about, um, getting rid of a blanket that I 
had never been able to get rid of because it had too many memories from my childhood, but it was completely unusable because the first time I spread it out as a picnic blanket for my kids, it was when we lived out in West Texas, and um, I set it on a place that was completely covered in stickers. Now, if you personally do not live in a place where there are stickers, these are the evil stickers. These are the ones that make you feel like you've stepped on a nail or a tack and you hop around the room screaming because it's so awful. Anyway, so this this blanket was unusable because there was really no way to pick out every little thorn that had broken off of a sticker. And so I, I couldn't use it. I didn't feel like I could donate it because that would just be cruel and unusual punishment to the mother who happened to pick it up in the thrift store. Um, so I really did not, um, I, I could never bring myself to get rid of that. Several times I'd almost thrown it away and I just couldn't do it. Um, but our dog passed away and we didn't know what to do. We've, you know, since we've been grownups, this was my first dog of my whole life. Like my husband's first dog is, you know, him being the grownup. So um, we didn't know what to do. And our, but our, thankfully our friend who is a vet was so kind and so sweet. And she said, I'll take care of it. Just bring her up to the clinic and um, just wrap her in a blanket. And um, anyway, uh, and I immediately told my husband, I said, I know exactly the blanket to use. I said, because that blanket was so special to me, but I can't use it for anything else. And so we're able to use that. And so, you know, in a sad way, it's gone from my house, but I'm glad for what it went for. Um, and in case you think it's cruel that we, you know, use the stickery blanket for our dog, well, she loved those stickers. She was a puppy at that house in West Texas, and she loved those stickers. She used to eat them. She would pull them out of her paws and just kind of, you know, with her mouth and <laughs> swallow the sticker. I mean, it was it was really crazy. We thought she was crazy, but she lived many years past the time when we had stickers, so obviously she was fine, and she would even, like, come and pull them out of our shoestrings with, our, with her teeth and chew those up and eat them, too. She loved those stickers, so it was really kind of one of those sweet and sad moments, you know, that we were able to use that blanket for that, so. Okay, so we're going to talk about decluttering a kitchen. Now, we talked last week about decluttering a child's room. Um, I'm also doing Google Plus Hangouts this month. Uh, we did a child's room today, and those are really fun because they're very interactive. If you um, want to go watch, you can. They're recorded and put up on YouTube at youtube.com slash clean. I'll link to that as well within the show notes for podcast number 17, which is what we're on today at aslobcomesclean.com slash podcasts with an S. Um, but it's also, uh, it's fun to me to talk about decluttering a kitchen because it's um, something that I actually feel successful at where kids' rooms are a constant struggle for me. But the kitchen, I will say, there's been a huge, huge improvement in the kitchen over these past four years, and it's mostly been maintainable. And so um, I'm going to talk about some of the concepts and things. Uh, for example, I have mentioned this before, but I'm, I'm a Maytag mom, which is a really big and exciting deal, which means that I got a, um, some new appliances from Maytag about a little over a year ago. Well, I had to give up two kitchen cabinets in order to get my new stove because of the kind of stoves they wanted stove they wanted to give me. Well, before I had started this whole process, I hate to even think about it, but I'm afraid I might have had to say, 
oh, I don't think I can do that. But I gave up those two cabinets and I was pretty confident that I could do it because I knew I had so much less clutter in my kitchen than I used to. My cabinets were not stuffed full the way they used to be. And it's been over a year and I don't miss those cabinets. So I really, to me, that's a big sign that it's possible to get rid of stuff in your kitchen that you never thought you could and live to tell about it. So a kitchen is really, to me, a kitchen is very important as well to keep um, or to declutter because you work so much in there. I think one of the problems with kids' rooms is you can shut the door and pretend they don't exist. And, you know, the kids start playing in other places of the house and just sleeping in there. You know, it just, that's the kind of stuff that happens. But a kitchen is used constantly. And um, you got you to gotta have usable, livable, workable space in the kitchen to manage. So uh, some of the things that I have learned from decluttering my own kitchen are, um, and I hate to say this, but start by washing the dishes. I've talked before in previous podcasts, probably some of the first ones of, you know, how to get started when you're completely overwhelmed in your home. And you know this if you've read my ebook, 28 Days to Hope for Your Home. If you've read it, you know that my big thing is to wash the dishes. And it's so crazy simple that it probably drives some normal people crazy. But the truth is, you got to wash the dishes. That's part of it. But it's this big cycle. I call it the vicious cycle of excess. And what that means is, I end up with um, what used to happen is I would um, leave my dishes, you know, I wouldn't do them every single day. You know, now I run my dishwasher at night, I empty it in the morning, and then fill it up during the day, run it at night, empty it in the morning, and it keeps things flowing really well. But before, um, I would not do that, and I would wait a couple of days between doing the dishes. Well, by the time I got to do the dishes, what would happen is um, I had so many dishes. I mean, when my husband and I registered for our wedding, there was a point, and he still reminds me of this, but there was a point where he had to say, okay, we've registered for enough dishes. I mean, I registered for probably six different full sets of dishes, everyday dishes, and we got all of them all of them. We didn't get all of our majorly expensive china, but we got all of our everyday dishes. And I had registered for at least six different sets. And part of that is because we were old, you know, not really, but you know, he was in his thirties and I was, you know, three or four years past when all my other friends had gotten married. So, um, you know, people were so excited for us getting married that they, you know, we just got tons and tons of gifts and we had worked in different places. So we knew lots of people and and we had so many dishes. And my, uh, when we moved from our first apartment, where I originally unpacked the di- those dishes, um, I was pregnant. And my parents paid for um, a moving man to come in and, and pack everything up for me. Well, I told him on the phone, I said, now I have a lot of dishes. And he was like, oh, okay, yeah, uh-huh. And um, he and his friend came and basically... The one guy packed up the entire house while the other guy stayed in the kitchen and packed up my dishes. And when I said, um, so were you surprised at how many dishes I had? He said, uh, yeah. And I, I can't remember. I don't want to quote him wrong. But I'm pretty sure he said something about the most dishes he'd ever seen 
in his life. But anyway, so I had a lot of dishes. Well, so I loved dishes. I loved stuff. I had no concept of there being a limit to how much stuff I should have. So I had lots of dishes, and so I could go longer between doing the dishes. I mean, I would let them go, you know, because I still had more. Well, then all of a sudden, we were out of dishes because I'd used every single one of all six sets, and um, I was completely overwhelmed because my whole kitchen was just piled high in dishes because I had so many that I could go longer between doing dishes. Well, that meant that when I had to do dishes, I had six sets of dirty dishes that I had to get through, which is way more than will fit in one load in the dishwasher. So um, it was not until I started doing the dishes every day, which I didn't know what I was doing. I just said, I know my kitchen's bad, so I'm going to try to keep the dishes under control. And so as I started to do that, as I started to develop a routine that worked in our home for keeping the dishes under control, I suddenly had a completely different view of my own dishes because I started to see which plates we chose first, which ones were our favorite. And the other five sets of dishes just sat in there because I didn't choose them first and I never got to them because there were always our favorite dishes clean first. Okay, so <coughs> you first have to do the dishes, and I'm so sorry, but I do recommend, and I don't on everything, okay, which some other things we'll talk about in future podcasts, you know, I don't recommend this for everything, like getting everything perfect first, I'm all for just going in, but in the kitchen, you really do have to do your dishes first, because you can't have a concept of how many you actually have until you've, till they're all clean, until they're all clean and then you try to put them all in the cabinet and you realize they don't all fit in the cabinet when they're all clean. And that, you know, for me was a light bulb moment to realize that. Um, and that brings me to the next point, which is the container concept and using that. Now, the container concept is not, I mean, I know some organizers who are just huge fans of containers. They love containers and they just get all giddy when they go to the you know, different stores and walk down the aisle with the baskets and all that kind of stuff. It's really not about containers. When I talk about containers, it's about my own personal light bulb moment. When I said, oh, so containers are meant to contain things. I know, for real, it's so obvious, but it just had not stuck in my head. And I talked about this in an earlier podcast, but containers are key because um, they are a limit. They're a natural limit. They're not meant to just stuff things in. They're meant to say, okay, if this is my, um, if this is my cabinet that I have for dishes, I mean, let's just be realistic. These two little, you know, vertical things are where I can put our everyday plates and bowls and that kind of stuff. That's what I have. That's what exists in my kitchen. That is my container. Okay. And the container is a natural limit. So I can fill those cabinets with my dishes. And once they're full, then I have to get rid of what won't fit in there, which is why I first fill them with the ones I love the most. So by the time that I get to the point where they're full, then I look and say, oh, well, these weren't my first choice anyway. So they're usually, not always, usually a little bit easier to declutter. If I run across one that I say, oh, I forgot about 
this plate that was in the dishwasher or whatever, wow, I can't fit another plate in there, but I really want to keep this one. Well, then I have to practice the one in, one out concept, which is if I'm going to keep this plate and there's no room in this container, which is my cabinet, then I have to take another plate out to make room for this plate, okay? All stuff that I'm pretty sure naturally organized people um, have known and never have had to think about, but for me, I have to think about these things. So that is, um, that's the main thing, is accepting what your containers already are in your kitchen. Now sometimes, sometimes, you know, especially older kitchens, for me personally, I am, you know, when I lived in college, we had, I think it was from the, you know, built in the 1930s or something like that. We had like one teeny tiny kitchen cabinet. And I get that. Sometimes you do have to add a shelf or add a cabinet. But there comes a limit on how many shelves and cabinets you can add, you know. <laughs> and I find, I found for me personally that I used to think if I had too many coffee cups to fit in my cabinet, then I must need to find a way to stick another cabinet in my kitchen. And instead, now I say, if I have too many coffee cups to fit in my cabinet, then I have too many coffee cups, and I can only keep the ones that will fit in my cabinet. Okay? I hope that's making sense. But that has been a real game changer, a mind changer for me personally. Uh, but along with that is I have a completely different view of what I need because I have a dishwashing routine that means most of my dishes are generally clean because I have that finally under control, which is what 28 Days to Hope for Your Home, my ebook, is all about. So if you are feeling like mind boggled and you don't know what that means, um, I do encourage you to buy that ebook. It's $5. I know I'm advertising, but for real, that is what that is all about is getting that under control. And that alone, having my dishes under control has changed my perspective on how many dishes I need. Um, because what would happen before is I would, uh, they'd all be dirty and I'd be so used to all of my dishes being dirty that I had no concept of how many I really had because I never saw them all in the cabinet at one time. And so when I would go to a garage sale, which I was really good at going to garage sales, and I would see a set of plates, I would think, I'm always needing more clean. I didn't think the word clean. I was thinking, I'm always needing more plates. What I really meant was, I'm always needing more clean plates. Well, since I thought that I just needed more plates, well, I would buy those. Well, then, once I bought those, I could go longer between um, washing. And then that meant that by the time I had used them all up, I had that many more dirty dishes that were that much more overwhelming that made me want to give up because I was paralyzed. So, uh, so start by washing the dishes. Use the containers your kitchen already has, um, which are called cabinets. It's a really important thing to know. Um, and then follow the one-for-one one rule. Um, kitchen items get used a lot. You know, it's not like knickknacks that, you know, you just, okay, I can only have so many ceramic dogs on my shelf. I got a new one, whatever. No, I'm talking about, you know, kitchen items get used like um, pots and pans and they get, you know, they eventually get scratched or whatever. You know, sometimes um, things are not in that greatest shape. You know, plates get chipped. 
I'm personally wondering if I might need some new dishes soon because um, some of my plates are kind of chipped on the edges. But, um, you know, you do have to replace some things in your kitchen, kitchen towels, stuff like that. Um, and uh, using the one-in, one-out rule that we talked about before with the container concept of, oh, I just found this other plate that I forgot. I want to keep it, so I have to pull one out to make room for it. Well, it's the same general concept that will keep your house less cluttered, um, which is something I'm always striving toward. But one way to keep my house less cluttered is to say that, um, okay, when I get a new skillet, you know, my mother-in-law, she's not able to anymore, but in the past she would get us grab bags at Christmas. And she would do this big old bag just full of fun little things that she'd found, and she loves to buy skillets. Now, I shop with her on a regular basis now, and I'm starting to see how much she really does love to buy skillets. I personally can use a skillet for a really long time, but she loves a new skillet. Um, so we would get a new skillet most Christmases. And um, it was hard when I finally made, you know, before the blog, I used to just add one more skillet and add one more skillet because you never know when you're going to need that other one. But over time, I have finally come to a place where I realize we lived just fine with two skillets now. Before, you know, we lived fine with two skillets. So now that I have a new skillet, I am going to put it in and take my least pretty one that's maybe scratched or the handle, you know, has a chunk out of it. I don't know. You know, my least favorite skillet that I had, I'm going to take that one out and I'm going to go donate it or put it in recycling or whatever you can do with it. Um, but it's that one in, one out concept and that's what keeps it from getting out of control because I never would have, I mean, that never would have occurred to me before. It would just be a new skillet in addition to old skillets I have. But to keep from getting things out of, from things getting out of control, I now realize when I get a new something, I need to replace the old thing. Um, so that's a very important concept as well. Thank you so much for joining me today. I um, am going to put the link to the kitchen decluttering post that I wrote um, for this month's decluttering party uh, in the show notes for this podcast number 17. Just go to aslobcomesclean.com slash podcasts. You can go to aslobcomesclean.com slash connect. And there you will find links to all of my social media channels so that um, you can keep up with things. I also have, um, uh, we're doing a decluttering party this, this month. So every Friday in January, I am putting up something I've decluttered for that week. And then I'm also inviting you to share in the comments your decluttering adventures from that week. And if you have a blog, you can post a link to a post on your blog and anything like me you love blog traffic uh the person who posted immediately when i put the post up last week had over 350 hits which is great um and then it just went down from i mean you know everybody who posted on the first day had over 100 hits from the party but um that may not mean anything to you if you're not a blogger but if you are and traffic's important to you you know just know that uh when i put them up on fridays then um you know the sooner you link up your posts the more traffic you'll get so but I have that going up every Friday. And for email subscribers, you will um, get a free printable of my two decluttering questions, which I've talked about in earlier podcasts. 
but there I just have two simple decluttering questions. No lists of 10 things to go through to decide whether you need to keep something. Just two simple to the point questions that allow you to work through large amounts of clutter in short amounts of time. Um, so there's a printable of that that you can print out and take with you so that you, um, wherever you are in your house decluttering, you can remind yourself of those questions until you get them memorized, which they're very easy to memorize anyway. But those, that's for email subscribers. You can, e you can subscribe for um, daily emails or a weekly email. Um, and if you just go to aslobcomesclean.com, there in the header of the blog, you will see where it says um, click here to email subscribe or something like that. So thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that you will join me over on the website so that we can get to know each other better. And um, I will see you next week. Thanks.